Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. There's no Alistair today, he's having a couple of weeks off at the moment that he's missing all the Tottenham games uh, recently, it's not been a good run at all. So I think everyone will probably be hoping Alistair's back sooner rather than later and then the wins can continue. Uh, today, I am joined on the podcast for the first time by our Tottenham reporter, Emma De Duve. Emma, how are you today? Yeah, all good. Thank you. As I said, two big shoes to fill with Alistair not being here, but well, it would be better if it was better circumstances, but looking forward to being first time on anyway. Yeah, there's plenty to discuss today. Uh, we'll be looking back at the West Ham defeat and also we'll be looking ahead to what promises to be a pretty tough game tomorrow night in the Carabao Cup away at Burnley. But first of all, we'll go back to Sunday and we'll reflect on the defeat against West Ham. 1-0 in the end, Mikel Antonio getting the winner with 18 minutes left. Emma, you were at the London... London Stadium uh, in the away end watching on. Do you want to just give us your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I thought it was just very frustrating again. You know, I thought there were spells, especially towards the end of the first half, where there was a bit of energy, you know, there was things going forward. But overall, just again, in the final third, struggling to break teams down, there was only, I thought, a num a handful of players that I thought had decent performances and actually had like sort of energy about them. Um, but yeah, overall, quite disappointing again. Yeah, you'd think, especially with Nuno making that decision earlier in the week to rest his entire first eleven, leaving back at Hotspur away with uh, assistant coach Ian Caffrey to prepare for the game that, in an ideal world, would have hit the ground running. But that very much wasn't the case. It was... West Ham, who started the brighter out of the two teams, I think Hugo Lloris had the save to make from Pablo Fernels early on from his volley. Uh, it was probably about 15, 20 minutes in when Spurs started to get into the game. Potentially could have had the penalty, really, uh, mm. when Tongi on the belly went through. Uh, just looked like he prodded the ball past Kurt Zuma and then there was a touch, went to VAR. That wasn't given. Uh, then after that, I mean, it was pretty open game, really. Uh, both sides had chances. Keepers weren't really tested, though. Probably up until half-time with that hurricane header. But Spurs, when they did have the ball, did have a couple of uh, chances. Lucas Moura had a half-chance uh, when Son, some dogged work in the box to play him in. He twisted and then, you know, fired wide Son. Did have a really good chance when and Don Bailey put him through, and you probably would have fancied him to take that, but just didn't get enough on it to trouble Fabianski. And then just prior to half time, they were probably really unlucky not to go ahead with uh, Sergio Regalan's ball in from the left, Kane leaping really well at the back post, and then Fabianski was there to tip it over. So 
Spurs did have the chances and then started the second half. I think there was probably another 10, 15 minute period where Spurs probably were the better side. And another one where Regalon put the ball across Oliver Skip, just making a rare move upfield. You never really see him in and around the box. And unfortunately, that was just behind him. And then there was the one where Kane just couldn't play it across to Son. What you would have thought was a certain goal. And unfortunately... No, it was West Ham who came into the game after that, started to uh, you know, dominate possession and then get the winner at the end. So, I mean, what did you think about the West Ham goal? Uh, it had been known to score from set pieces this season and, you know, it was another one. And I think from a Tottenham perspective, you wouldn't be very happy with that at all. No, I mean, I don't know what Kane was doing, just standing like a statue trying to mark Antonio. I'm also, I also probably wouldn't have put Kane to mark Antonio. Um, I would have personally liked to see someone like Dyer or Romero. Um, but yeah, I just thought, yeah, as you said, like, you know, there's, there are threats from set pieces that we, that Tottenham know, like that's what West Ham can do. And I just think, they, they didn't look like they were prepared enough for it. And yeah, I think there are a couple of other occasions as well, you know, where players are left unmarked, which I think has been a problem in other games as well. And I think that's such a simple thing to stay with your man. And it's, it's some of the basics that Tottenham are lacking at the moment. Yeah, Kane was just caught asleep really uh, when it came to me. I mean, full credit to Antonio for mm. reacting really quickly, but that's when you want your place to be alert and you know getting to that ball first of all uh, it wasn't a good one to concede but Spurs after that didn't really offer anything I think it was no shots on goal at all in the second half and didn't what a lot of Tottenham fans have pointed to is probably the timing of Nuno substitutions it was uh, six minutes from time when Giovanni Lacelso and Brian Hill came on for it was Sergio Regalan and Tongi on Bele. And then in the 90th minute, it was Steven Bergwijn coming on for uh, the final three minutes of at the time. And that's that's just not enough time uh, for players to even get into a game. You need I think you need a good five, ten minutes, you know, uh to actually get in the game, get on the ball and start getting to the pace of uh the game with the other players and it just wasn't enough time. You're thinking after conceding with 18 minutes to go, that is the ideal time to bring your subs on or potentially even before the goal because uh, that's when West Ham started getting a foothold in the game, started to, you know, get on the ball. I think they had a few chances uh, prior to the goal. They were in some good positions. There was some good defending from Spurs at times. But uh, yeah, I think... Timing of the substitutions didn't go down well, and I'm assuming that that uh, Tottenham fans made the feelings clear in the the away end where you were. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I heard a lot, and people just wanted the change. And I agree with you. You know, you can't give players sort of a, f- a few minutes at the end of the game to try and make a difference. Like it's just not going to happen. And I, I agree. I think even before they can. Once you concede, I think that's that should have been the pivotal moment where it was straight away a sub. But I think yeah, even before that, once Tottenham had sort of had their dominant sort of dominant spell and West Ham were getting back into the game, that should have been, I think, Nuno's 
point to be like right this is not working something needs to change it's also just fresh legs because I know a lot of the subs as well a lot of Tottenham fans they're not people's first choices but I think just bringing fresh legs on the pitch something's clearly not working so bringing people on to see what they can do see if they can change a game I think would have been helpful earlier yeah and I think what was asked of Nuno in his post-match press conference is basically he rested that entire 11 for the game in preparation. It was put to him, did you feel like the players weren't basically, uh, didn't look as fresh in the final 30 minutes as they should have done? And basically what he said was, I don't agree. I think all the players worked very hard and fitness-wise were available to deal with the game. So, yeah, Nuno was asked about... Uh, the fitness and then he was also asked about the substitutions and basically what he said was the game was under control changes are required when we think we should uh, the boys were playing good then we made changes in the moment that we felt that the team needed so then that's going to be one thing that Tottenham and Nuno are going to have to sort out uh, in the coming weeks because you don't want to be in a losing position especially against like Burnley uh, this week, Manchester United, and then you're just leaving it too late to change the game. Uh, against Newcastle the week before, when they won 3-2, we didn't make any substitutions in that game. And to be honest, it did look like there was going to be a repeat of that because it was, as I said, six minutes from the end when you saw Nuno make his uh, first move in terms of the substitutes. Uh, after that, even when the subs came on, there was just nothing really in terms of chances Spurs you know had the ball looking to push on and get that equaliser uh, but just nothing I think Nuno did say as well what made it hard for him was West Ham were defending as a team pretty much like everyone was in the box trying to hold on to that three points and yeah that does make it difficult but what you've got to say is Spurs prior to that anyway weren't creating the chances what do you think the need to do? Do you think the team selection's right at the moment in terms of that lack of creativity? What's what's the issue? Um, I think it's hard because I think, to be honest, looking at you know the bench and the the team that started the Europa Conference League game, none of them proved that they should be in the Premier League starting eleven. So I think it's hard because there is a lack of creativity. But then it's like who is there to bring in to have that creativity. You know, there's been a lot of talk about not having replaced Ericsson and the likes of Dembele and things. And I think that's becoming more clear. I think there's a lot of, for like Ndombele at the moment, I know Alistair loves him. Um, there's a lot of um, sort of, I feel like he's a bit like Marmite at the moment. Some people love him, some people hate him. Personally, I'm not completely convinced, but he he would be my first choice above Lacelso and Ali in that number 10 position. And I think, you know, We've seen the quality he's he has on the ball. And I think if if players like that can get to their best form, I think there will be more going forward and more chances will be being created. So I think it's hard because, yeah, I don't think there's sort of anyone that's strike, that stands out on the bench to come on and give us that creativity. It's more the players on the pitch that are being picked to need to find it. I yeah. what, what do you think? I mean, it's been a problem for me ever since Christian Eriksen left. They've just never uh, filled that void. They've got, obviously, players who can be creative in Lo Celso and, and Don Belle, but 
I don't think there's uh, two players you'd hang your hat on to uh, reach, you know, the assist numbers Ericsson would have. Uh, what I would say about Ndombele, I fought against Newcastle, who was very good. West Ham, again, he had his moments, great through ball, uh, through to Son, midway through the first half, what, you know, you would have backed him to score that. Uh, he did look to get on the ball and make things happen at times, but it's just every now and then from him. And then second half, you needed a lot, lot more from him uh, in an attacking sense and Spurs just didn't get that. But I think as we've both said, uh, I think there were probably only a few players to come out of the game with uh, positives really because Harry Kane struggled. Son, again, I was having a conversation with uh, one of the Spurs journalists on the way back and in terms of Son, it's like, Either he's brilliant or he can just be non-existent and there just doesn't seem to be any middle ground with him. Uh, it wasn't his uh, best game at all. Lucas, few good bits, but nothing really in a, in an attacking sense. So it's something uh, Spurs need to get right sooner rather than later because what it looks like at the moment is just going to be bit of a stop start season really just every time you seem to get going then it's uh, might be what one one step forward two steps back so they definitely need to uh, sort that out what I would say I thought there were some positives in the game for, for me three players Oliver Skip Christian Romero Eric Dyer I thought played well would you you agree with that would you add anyone to that list uh, probably wouldn't add anyone, <laughs> um, but I, I I agree those three. I think um, all three of them did really well. I mean, I think Skip's been one of the standout performers all season, really. And, you know, the fact he's 21 and he's come in after his loan spell at Norwich and just seems to be that shield in the in front of defence that they need. And I think, yeah, Romero, you know, there's still, obviously, he's still settling in, still getting used to the Premier League. Because um, he had he had a couple of runs up the pitch, um, but I think yeah, I think overall all three of those I'd say were probably the only positives to come out of the game. But and I thought Romero and Dyer for most of the game dealt well with sort of what came at them, and they did have a fair bit to do in large spells of the game. And apart from obviously the one goal, they did had a decent game. Yeah, I think Romero and Dyer they had their. A real handful uh, to try and contend with in Mikel Antonio. I think everyone knows just how powerful and how dangerous he is when he's on the ball and running it. Yeah, and Romero and Antonio did have a really good battle, and I think Romero cups uh, very well with him. I think there was a couple of occasions when he was out muscled uh, off the ball. I think there was one towards the end of the first half when Antonio got the better of it, better of him in the area, but. Couldn't get a shot on target, but on the whole, I thought they did well. And, you know, even when Spurs have been struggling recently in games, I think Romero and Dyer have played well. Chelsea, even though they lost 3-0, they played well. Uh, I think they're starting to build a good partnership. Uh, I think Aston Villa as well, they did well. Uh, so I think there's definitely more to come from those two. I think they do look like the... Definitely the centre-back partnership of choice at present. Uh, Davinson Sanchez did well out in Arnhem. I thought he was one of the few players to come out of that game with any credit, but clearly not enough to change Nuno's thinking at West Ham. Uh, what I did notice 
as you've alluded to, it was Christian Romero's uh, marauding run just after the second half to, uh, you know, on the quick break, played in, came down the right. Uh, he just couldn't play into Son. And we've seen a number of those runs from him so far this season. And what we did notice in the press box was Dyer was furiously shouting at Romero to get back uh, after he'd played the ball. But he didn't. Uh, I think it was just a bit of a slow amble back to positions. I think you saw Pierre-Emil Hoibieg was in there covering for him, but certainly wasn't busting the gut to get back in position. But I think there's definitely positives there from Romero. And I think Spurs fans, a lot of them do look like uh, do like what they've seen from him so far. Uh, same with Oliver Skip. Big year for the player after such a good year on loan at Norwich. He's come in and... He just looks like a first-team regular straight away. He did some things, really good tackle on the edge of the box early on uh, when West Ham looked like they could have pushed on to score. You can just rely on him, and I think it makes life easier for Romero and Dyer with him in front. And so unlucky not to score. He was just slightly ahead of the ball when uh, Regalon uh, played it across. So, yeah, I think some positives. I'd also say Sergio Regalon. Had a good game. I thought at times early on he was making the good runs down the left flank, but I think it was Hoybeg at times and whoever else was trying to find him. The ball, it was just over hit and uh, that frustrated him. But when he did get on the ball, did put in some very good crosses for Kane and uh, Skip. But there was that blip uh, just seconds before the winning goal uh, when he obviously did really well to win the ball on the ed- edge of the area, then needlessly lost it. Obviously, West Ham then went and scored from there. So I would say, yeah, he uh, he did all right, Regalon. He's uh, had a bit of a slow start to the season, but I think in the past few games he has, uh, he's got better. And hopefully in the long run, that will hopefully see him reach the levels he did during the first part of last season because Spurs do have a good player in him there. What did you make of Nuno's post-match comments? So I think that was another talking point between Tottenham fans after the game. Uh, What he did say was basically he thought Spurs uh, had a good game, they were in control of the game, but I don't think Spurs fans quite saw it like that, did they? No, I think as well... um... I saw that he he was asked about the creativity and he said he didn't think that was an issue. I also saw, you know, and he talked about being in control of the game with possession. Okay, yeah, we had more possession, but possession doesn't win you games. And I think that's the key thing is that, um, you know, obviously it's great to see him taking positives from the game, but when I think I've seen a lot of Spurs fans saying, what, what game was he watching? Because <laughs> I think, you know, there, there, were, there were times when, short spells when Tottenham did have chances and were a bit more dominant. But I think when you look at the game at the whole, not even just the scoreline, but looking at the players and as you mentioned before, you know, West Ham did get a lot of players behind the ball um, and it was hard to break them down. But if Tottenham have that creative spark, then they should be able to. And getting, you know, just getting more balls in the box and Harry Kane getting balls in the box, but we need Harry Kane on the end of them. So, you know, I think there's definitely work to be done. And I think, I think there's 
Nuno, I mean, I saw uh, an interview with Skip that he did with uh, Tottenham after the game and he was very honest. He criticised his own performance and he said we weren't creating enough. And it was like, I I thought that was really good to see that he was giving the honest verdict. And I think Nuno was almost just a bit soft and sort of beating around the bush a bit. And I think there are clear issues that Spurs fans can see and either he's he's not quite seeing them or he's just not sort of addressing them as he should. Yeah, I don't think he'll wash with a number of fans if, you know, uh, he doesn't say it how it is. Uh, one person, Roberto Martinez, when he was Everton manager, to everyone knows he's always very positive, likes to see the positives. But some fans just want it straight, they want the managers to say it how it is. So, yeah, I think they were... Really interesting uh, what I had to say. And yeah, uh, Spurs fans definitely didn't agree. In terms of the possession, I think it's as you said, it's you're all right having all the ball, but you've got to do something with it when you do have it. Because uh, at the end of the day, there's only one stat that matters, and that's the scoreline. You can have 99% of the ball, but still lose the game. So yeah, they've got to be better than when they are on the ball, they've got to do a lot more with it and hopefully we'll see that over the coming days against uh, Burnley and Manchester United uh, while we will discuss Burnley and the team uh, what Nuno could pick well, it's going to be rather interesting because it is such a big game we will go back to his decision to rest his first 11 against Vitesse in hindsight now was that the right decision? Uh, I, I think so, because I think, you know, and oh, this is always going to happen. We lost both games as uproar. If we'd won both games, everyone would have been praising him. Um, and I think overall, a lot's been said as well. That team that started against Vitesse on paper should have the quality to be able to beat them. And I think, you know, obviously they haven't, they haven't played a lot of games together. But yeah, it sort of, to me, it looked like, a lot of individual players rather than a team playing together. Um, but I think, you know, if if they had if they had bought the likes of Kane and Son to Holland and they picked up an injury, well then what would we have done? Like so I, I think it's hard. Like obviously yeah you could look back and say, you know, the bench was full of Academy players, maybe a couple of the first team regulars could have been bought there. But I also think equally the lineup that started against Vitesse also should have done better. Um, so overall, I still think it was the right decision because I think a lot of things could have gone wrong if senior players were brought to Holland. But kind of, certain fans wouldn't agree. Yeah, I think it's easy saying it after the game that it was the wrong decision. But I think given they did that, you just expected so much more from Tottenham away at West Ham. Then what? makes it interesting now is how he is going to approach these final three European games. I mean, they have uh, the two home games against Wren and the Tess. You'd want them at home in your uh, last three games. They've got a favourable game away at NS Miura. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see his approach, whether he goes with... Uh, say like Dane Scarlett starting up front and the fringe players because the last thing you want to do with Vitesse being the next game at home is, you know, 
do a repeat of what happened in Arnhem a few days ago and you don't win because then all of a sudden you're two points behind Vitesse with two games left. They've got Enes Miura at home on the final game, I believe, and then Spurs have Wren, who could have won the group by then. So it's going to be really interesting whether he keeps his approach with, say, like Kane, Son, Hoybier, Lucas on the bench and then brings them on. It's going to be really interesting to see now uh, what he does over the coming weeks. Uh, what we'll do now, we'll, we'll preview the Burnley game as that's coming up. I mean, what would you do in terms of the team? It's going to be really, really interesting to see this one. Yeah, I think it's very difficult because, you know, at the end of the day, Burnley are a Premier League side. You know, OK, they haven't won a game so far this season, but they've also played the likes of Liverpool City. You know, they've had some difficult games. And I think you can't, you know, as much as Nuno seems to like to do a bit of a rotation for the Cup games in the Europa Conference League, I think, I think some rotation will be needed, especially with United at the weekend. Um, but I think you've got to keep some of the first team regulars in because, you know, the, the as we saw at Vitesse, like the, the other ones are, they're not, they're not really cutting it. Um, I, I think again, despite the results, the defense haven't been really, haven't been the sort of main issues. I don't think in the game. So bringing in, I, I'm quite a big fan of Roden. So bringing him back in and Sanchez, wouldn't have any issues with that. Um, I think Tanganga as well. Um, but I think it, I, I'd say, you know, further, it, I'd be very interested to see what he does further up the field. You know, does he does he sort of keep how it is or does he give the likes of the Celso a chance in the number 10 role, give Brian Hill a few more minutes? Um, but yeah, how, what, what, what are your sorts of thoughts on it? I think his approach will be the same as it was against Wolves in the previous round. Uh, that day we saw basically, I think probably about four or five of the first team was starting with, uh, you know, the fringe players to say uh, come in. I think that's got to be the approach. I don't think you can go with what he did against Vitesse and played the second uh, string because what Spurs need right now is a win. Uh, it's a huge, huge game coming up on Saturday. And I think what you need is a really good performance at Burnley and to go through to the quarterfinals of the Cup. I don't think you can... You don't basically... You don't want to be going into the Manchester United game on the back of three straight defeats because I think Nuno's already under pressure given how stop-start the season has been. I think Spurs fans expect a lot more and the performances to be better. But it's uh, one of these where, you know, Manchester United themselves also need a win, uh, having lost 5-0 against Liverpool at the weekend. So you're going to be, it's got to be two teams desperate for a win. And I think the best thing you can do going into that game is go into it having played well a few days earlier with uh, a win. So for me, rather than having one eye on Manchester United at the weekend and the other eye on Burnley, I think you've just got to be fully focused on Burnley. And in terms of the team, I think Galini will start in goal. I think that's a given he's played in all the cup games this season. I'd go with Tanganga at right back. Uh, I thought he did okay in Arnhem, probably deserves another chance. I think Sanchez deserves another chance. He played well. I'd like to see Roden play. 
but I don't think he will. I think he'll go with Dyer rather than Romero. Romero's played a lot of football recently, especially when you consider the Argentina games and his quick return uh, for the Newcastle game and playing in 90 minutes. I think Ben Davies will then get the nod at left back. I would go with Oliver Skip in midfield. That's what Nuno did at Wolves in the previous round. And then I'm umming and ahhing over whether Lacelso comes in and starts. But if he does, I'm not sure what position. Does he start in the number 10 role instead of Vendombele? Does he start in central midfield as he did in Arnhem? He's going to be a really interesting one to see that uh, I'd rest Son for this game and I'd probably go with Steven Bergwijn he needs some more minutes and Brian Hill looked bright against Arnhem uh, against Vitesse sorry so he needs to come in and then for me Harry Kane's got to start I just don't think you can start Dane Scarlett in this game as nice as it would be to see him playing the cup competitions what was notable against Vitesse is that you've got to remember He's so young. He's a seventeen-year-old uh, lad. He's coming from the academy into the first team. It is a huge, huge step. I think people have got to remember that. And he's he's not got a a kick really up from. So he's had plays behind him who've uh, not been able to supply the ball through to him at all. He's just not had any chances really in the three games he started, and then. What also is the case is he's uh, he's struggled up against seasoned professionals. Uh, that happened against Vitesse. He just didn't get any change out of their backline, and the same's just going to happen against Burnley tomorrow. Then everyone knows how you know big and powerful Burnley's defenders are. That you've got James Tarkowski, Ben May. I think it's Collins as well. The summer signing they got from Stoke. I think it was Collins and Tarkowski in the last cup game he's just not going to get anything up against them for me. So I think uh, Harry's got to start in an ideal world. Yeah, he might want Kane on the bench given Manchester United are coming up at the weekend. But for me, uh, yeah, Kane's got to start. And you, similar team? Would you make yeah. any changes? Um, no, I'd say I'd defo um, Bergvine, I think, definitely needs minutes as... I mean, yeah, I'd like, as I said before, I'd like to see Sanchez and Rodon, but I do agree that he might not, might not do that. Um, I'm, I was, I think Skip definitely, and I was because you know, I think Winks, uh, I just can't see him starting. You know, he's left out, he's left out of the squad completely at West Ham. Didn't do great against Vitesse, so I'd potentially keep Skip and Hoiberg. Um, and then I agree, I don't think Scarlett can start. I, As you said, I'd love to see him get some more minutes as well. But I think, you know, being so young, pressure on him as well, you know. Obviously, there's no pressure on him in the sense that he's so young, people aren't expecting him to come and score five goals a game. But I think, yeah, as you said, coming up against Premier League defence at such a young age when he hasn't had many minutes for the first team, I just think you've got to have Kane up top, Um so I think, yeah, I'd make a few changes defence and behind Harry Kane, but I'd sort of keep it largely a, a few similar to West Ham. The rules do differ in the EFL Cup to the Premier League, so it will be seven substitutes rather than nine. So unfortunately, there's going to be 
a couple of players who do miss out uh, tomorrow at Turf Mar. She said Harry Winks was out of the squad at West Ham. He wasn't in the squad against the uh, Wolves in the previous round, so he's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, Nuno's thinking tomorrow, but it's so important to get a win. Will the win? I mean, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I I think they'll win, but I don't think it will be an easy win. I reckon it could be like a 1-0 a in like the... 78th minute that's very specific but something you know I think it yeah I think it will be again it will be a tough battle I think it will I can see it Tottenham being quite slow to get into it but then hopefully a few more chances as you said I think it's so important to go to United on the back of a win um, rather than three straight defeats so I think they might slightly edge it and I'm hoping they do <laughs> yeah the games at Turf Mar are uh Always very close. Last year it was Son with a late winner. I think that was actually a year ago today, I believe. A uh, year before, 1 1. I think everyone probably remembers that game for Jose Mourinho uh, basically pulling no punches in his post match assessment with Tongi on the belly after hauling him off at half time. So, yeah, I think it is going to be a really tricky game. I think when you look at the other ties, you could have had such an easier tie on paper if you had the luck in the draw. But yeah, it is a very tricky game and it's not the place you want to be going when you do need the win. Uh, what I will say, it's Burnley themselves, not one in the Premier League this season. I think it's four draws, five defeats from their nine league games. Yes, they have had some tough games in the league so far, but what they will want to do, I know they're not a side who usually does have a cup run. You very rarely see them get to the latter stages of a competition, but they need the win themselves just to help in the Premier League. I think just to get some momentum, just to give everyone a big boost uh, going into such an important period as they will want this winless run to continue because if it does, then their place in the league could be a risk come May. Uh, so, you know what you're going to get with the Sean Dyche uh, team. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be physical and Spurs are going to have to match them all over the pitch. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the reaction after the past few games. And Tottenham definitely do need one uh, going into Saturday's game against Manchester United. They're two managers under severe pressure. At the moment, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still in the job, despite uh, plenty of speculation about his position at Old Trafford following that 5-0 defeat against Liverpool and you know, a, few, a few dodgy performances and bad results prior to that. Would you say, I think it's a given really, Ole is the one under serious pressure going into this game, but if Tottenham do lose against Burnley, then Nuno's also in a similar boat. Yeah, I think... As you said, I think Oli is under more pressure. Um, and I think 5-0, you know, that's a heavy, heavy defeat. Um, I, th I think, yeah, as, as you rightly said, you know, if, if Tottenham lose tomorrow, they're both going to be under quite a lot of pressure. But, you know, I think there's, there's a big question over how long is too long for a lot of fans. You know, a lot of fans are already new now out. Personally, I think... It is still early in the season. How, like, I just think also, 
you sack Nuno and who's going to come in? You know, it's that you can't just think about the short term effect. It's sort of the long term. So I think, yeah, I do think Oli will be under more pressure um, just because he's been at United longer. And obviously, as I said, 5-0, very heavy defeat. But I think, you know, the pressure, a lot of Tottenham fans are already questioning Nuno. So I think a win, uh, sorry, a lose tomorrow will ramp up that pressure on Saturday as well. Yeah, he's he's got to get the win. And I think what we've said is it's all right getting the win, then you've got to follow it up and keep following it up. You just don't want it to be such a stop-start season. So that's literally what it has been so far. It's been, what, three wins in August, three defeats in uh, September in the Premier League, another two wins, another couple of defeats. It's, it's literally just been a stop-start. And the one thing... Yeah, he, he does need a bit of time. Obviously, all managers require time. He only came in in the summer, but you've just got to use that time. And the only thing he can help himself is by getting those wins on the board. And hopefully on the next episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham, then we will be talking about uh, a couple of victories or else next week could be very interesting with... Vitesse at home in the Europa Conference League and then Everton away in the Premier League on the agenda. So it's not been a good week at all for Tottenham. Fingers crossed this one will be a much better week. In all fairness, I think it's got to be a much better week. Uh, I think we probably will have another podcast later in the week to preview Manchester United. If not, we will be back on Monday or Tuesday, I believe, to reflect on that game and then also look ahead to uh, the Vitesse and Everton games. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, then please do. And as always, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.